John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. have accessed entry 308.JN1012, certificate number 52363. Custer the Wolf. You have two dogs. I do. Which uh, do you think is the top predator? (laughs) It's funny. Well, actually, Mindy just bought this reindeer at a consignment store that's exactly the same size and color as our golden retriever, but with Uh antlers. Uh Uh-huh. And for one thing, the dog a stuffed reindeer. Stuffed reindeer. No, she like bought a, a like she, a toy. She bought a real reindeer. <laughs> yeah, uh, Christmas party decoration. I think she thinks, mm-hmm. but the dogs are like, "Who is this intruder?" And they just stalk and growl at it all day. And I keep thinking it's one of the dogs. I'll like out of the corner of my eye, I'll be like, "Why is the dog still standing there?" Oh, right, it's it's you, comet. The dogs have not figured out by using their nose and other senses that this is not a dog. It took a couple days. We have a very neurotic golden retriever who, to this day, if I walk in the room holding, let's say, a cookie sheet, will freak out and run behind a chair with her tail between her legs because what's that thing? <laughs> now, we've had this dog since she was a puppy. Right. She's never been beaten with a cookie sheet. No. She's had, she's had the best and easiest of lives. But if I come into a room and set down a, a, my laptop case, she'll be like, what? No, 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 no. What is that? Um, so not a top predator. She's in that not case. the top predator, which means the other dog is the alpha, and he is just a little grumpy cavapoo, like a cavalier spaniel mini poodle mix. Toy Something mix. that should not exist is an abomination and an affront to God. Uh, people want their lap dogs, John. Cavapoo. You have to understand, middle-aged women want their lap, lap dogs. dogs. They want a dog that can sit in their lap and that's Believe not me, a... I know I am a lap dog to a couple of middle-aged women. <laughs> not you're, fun. You're very lucky. Uh, they but pull Mind- out the cookie sheet though and I know I'm going to get a reward. But Mindy does not have a smooth kept man somewhere to my knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you're gone a lot of the day. Yeah, I'm I, I'm commuting to LA now. Who knows what happens. Yeah. I mean her karate instructor is so nice and is always around the house. Sure. <laughs> Sure. But that's just because of the lessons. Yeah, he's nice. And do you have a lot of workmen around the house? Like weirdly <laughs> roof roof work and stuff? She always talk she's always talking about Jorge, but I assumed he was just working on our porch he's just or working something. Working on stuff. Yeah. Um so so this uh, little toothless grump. Yeah, he's lost almost all his teeth because genetically this is a dog that shouldn't exist. exist. Yeah, again, we've covered this. And he we also had him before um we got the golden, and now he he's still mad about that. Like, really? What? You got another cuter dog? What? Do you, 
Because the, the, the kids wanted a fun dog. The cute dog's been around for a long time by now. Yeah, we've had the cute dog for four, four, four to years. five years. Yeah. Um, but he still feels the sting. And because he predated her in the ecosystem, she'll she'll kind of follow his lead. And, you know, they'll, they'll kind of tussle and play as much as he wants to, which is eh, 90 seconds a day. Yeah. And he doesn't have a lot of teeth left, so they can't do tug-of-wars with Rawhide. Um, but it's still very much a situation where she defers to him just mostly because he's in a worse mood. I just described every marriage in America. <laughs> well, could go either way, but yeah. Yes. Um, and so in your family ecosystem, including both your children, you and your wife, who is the top predator? Whew. Well, I mean, when you got teenagers, everything changes. You know, because you're kind of... You have to nip at them all the time. Well, they're nipping at you all the time. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to... They're the ones where at any moment something explosive could happen. And you just kind of have to kind of accept that, you know what? I'm going to try to keep an even keel and not take it personally when this becomes a, a, a big uh, issue or dispute or, or grievance. Room, just tears streaming down because something... Went wrong. What was it? The other day, the kid got so mad at me. I think Mindy later told me that he had said something and I'd rolled my eyes. Oh. And like, ow, and like. That he got memory. Yes. And it was something, it was something like that. that. Whatever the specific thing was, was so funny. Like whatever caused the eye roll. And sadly, I can't remember the delightful part of the story. I can only remember just me. <laughs> Rolling my eyes like a sitcom dad, uh-huh. and then my kid getting so wounded that hours later, uh, he's still um, complaining to Mindy about it. Yeah. I had it coming. Yeah, sure. You're a bad. So no matter what happens, there's that. So you're always kind of tiptoeing around like you're at a dynamite depot, <laughs> a, thi- a thing I just made up. <laughs> a dynamite depot. That's always my favorite 70s syndicated funk yeah, show. It does seem like hey, a place. Live from Philadelphia, it's Dynamite <laughs> Depot. Woo, <laughs> woo. Where does the Soul Train stop? At the Dynamite Depot. It's funny that teeth are actually uh, very important to a predator. I can imagine why. And you really can you can really gauge a, a, a top predator's lifespan by looking at its teeth. No. Like, how much longer does this... Uh, does this predator have to go before they no longer have the teeth? That because that's almost always the limiting factor. Yeah, the you, teeth are going to go, and then they're the they're the weak member of the pack. Unless can't. you break your leg or get gored by a by an elk, oh, it's going to be when you. I'm living in hope when you know when you no longer have the teeth to be the top dog. And what happens then is the others turn on you, and you don't get your share of the game, or you just can't capture your own food, or a predator will pick you off instead of the others. Well, in my case, you start being disrespected around the house. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear you talk about World War 1 anymore. And if you if you're like, "Hey, wait a minute. I was talking." They're like, "Okay, whatever, Mr. Mr. Teeth." But your teeth are outwardly as good as they've ever been. Yeah, sure, they look that from a distance. But do you feel like people do you feel like they know about your veneers and they I wish I had veneers. What a look. What a look that would be. That that veneer look where your teeth are just slightly too too much for your mouth. You're in Hollywood now. You must see them all the time. I have yellow teeth and yeah. I'm in the wrong business. And you don't even drink coffee. No, I was born with these. These are genetically yellow teeth. You're kidding. I don't know what that means. Ivory. They're ivory colored. That's that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. Those um when you see those beavers or whatever they are, they're rodents that have the big red teeth. Ugh. Because they have a ton of iron. In their bodies. Maybe that, maybe that's me. What element do I have too much of? 
I told you I brought a friend up from California, and I was like, let's go see the beavers down by the boathouse at the University of Washington. And she was like, all right. And we went down. You know, it was dusk, and I was like, oh, the beavers, they come out, and, you know, they're so cute. And uh, we went down there, and, you know, sure enough, the beavers were out. And I was like, beavers, you know, they're like, check them out. And then they popped up with their, with what I always think of as like a cute little beaver face. But, but you need those teeth to be white. Their teeth were like so terrifying. And she was like, they're, they're awful. They're grotesque. I was like, no, no, you have to look at them when they're underwater. They're very cute. It's the iron. It's the iron. So you have just too much sulfur in your diet. Maybe. Or too much. Uh, What's yellow? Yellowium. Yeah, yellowium. I have too much of an overdose of yellowium. Too much cold play. Yeah, they um, they can look at a, they can look at a, a aminal that's at the top of their game and say, oh, you know what? I think that this bobcat's got eight years, eight years of good hunting left in it, based on tooth wear and whatnot. And then after that, variety of other factors play. Well, I, I'm a carnivore. Yeah, that makes me want to floss. Yeah. Not the dance. Although it does make me want to floss the dance as well. Can you do the floss? Not in a chair. With this chair has arms. But do you have the do you have the coordination? Do you know the do you know the the dance? I can do it at like half speeds. Yeah, good man. In the United States, and you know, this is going to be a, a United States centric story. Again, sorry, Norway. As so many of ours are, but uh, as Americans, we know that our international listeners are just as fascinated by the United States as we are. It's local, maybe more. It's local color. This yeah. is why you were watching Miami Vice 40 years ago, and now it's why you're listening to me. But it is, uh, we're talking uh, specifically about the wolf, and it may surprise you to know that in ancient times, in yielden times, and I mean even before yielden times. Roman babies would suckle from them. Long before even that, oh, even wow. before the founding of Rome. There better be suckling. Wolves. Uh, appeared everywhere in the wolf north of the 20th parallel. Everywhere in the world? Everywhere in the world. You said everywhere in the wolf, but that's good too. I did not. Inside you, there are two wolves, <laughs> one in the northern hemisphere and one in the southern hemisphere. So everything north of Mexico City, which is basically the same latitude as southern India, yeah. uh, had wolves. Wolves were everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Wolves, wolves, wolves. What's the range? I, I'm sure I'm cutting ahead, but is, is they have a very limited range in your range? Or are you going to tell me there's no wolves in the old world today? There's oh, no. There are they're wolves. I mean, Siberia's got wolves. There oh, are yeah. even wolves in Europe um, in uh, in certain places. Probably on Norwegian envelopes. There's probably postage stamps of wolves. <laughs> long, long-legged wolves. Long legs. Super long wolves. Uh, but humans have always felt uh, uh, competition with wolves. And partly it is that... Not me. No, you feel like, hey... I feel like I'm outclassed at many things, but better at others. Right. 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 Well, if you were... Breaking a, bad uh, trivia. If I could be any wolf alive. Alone on a plane. <laughs> yeah, right. and, I, and I mean P-L-A-I-N-E. Wolves on a plane. plane? We got to get P-L-A-N-E. these mother effing wolves I, off this mother effing plane. <laughs> They're coming out of the overhead bins. Have you ever been afraid of a wolf? Has there? Have you ever been close enough to a wolf to be afraid of it? I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a wolf in the wild. Have you been to Wolf Haven? Is this like a, is that where like a superhero lives? Yes. Who lives in Wolf Haven? In a cave in a mountain. Nightwing? No, it's down in Tacoma. It's a wolf rescue place. Oh yeah. I've been to one of those in Yellowstone. Yeah. Um, wolf Haven here takes wolves from all around and uh, there are like lots of wolves and you can go down and hang out with them. 
I've I've been to those rescue places before, and I I, I kind of have the same feeling as I do when I see them in the zoo, which is like, these are nice dogs. Maybe they're loyal. I don't have the feeling they're going to turn on me, but of course they would. So I went to Wolfhaven one time. I was I don't know what I was doing. I was driving around in the country, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Wolfhaven. I was by myself, and I was just looking for something. And that's what I found, Wolfhaven. And I went, and, and they closed at 5. You were looking for a wolf, and you found a wolf. And it was 4.45 or something, and I walked up to the ticket booth, and I was like, I know you're almost closed, but is there a way I could go in and just see some wolves for a little bit? Because it's, it's out in the sticks. Uh-huh. You know, it's out, I don't know, somewhere outside of Tacoma. And, uh, and she was like, well, there's a, there's a tour that left 15 minutes ago. I'll let you go in. You have to catch up to them, but whatever you do, don't run. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, okay. At many stores, like if I'm at House of Fabrics and they tell me that, I might not abide by it. But yeah. at Wolfhaven, that seems like good advice. Well, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, don't run. Fine, fine, fine. She was like, okay, you know, you can go in and, and you know, you, we're only open for another hour, but you can, because there's a big, there's a big fence, like a, like a, like a wood fence that you can't see through. That surrounds what you don't want people to get the haven for free. There you go. And so I walked in through the wood fence, and I and there were uh, wolves on either side, and they're at Wolf Haven in mating pairs. So there's hmm. two wolves of each kind of wolf, uh, and they live together in you know in sizable enclosures, but not the 300 square miles that they that they uh, hope for that they would like. Yeah. It's the Noah's Ark of Tacoma. And I looked across, and there was the tour. Uh, which was uh, uh, 10 people following a guide around and the guide was blah, 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 talking about the different wolves. And I, uh, even though I had been told not to run just moments before, uh, I forgot. Ooh, a guide. Or did, or I didn't, or, or, or I wasn't listening in the first place. And I broke into a trot <clears throat> to, to get over to the, to the group. And the, Gray wolves to my left, who had been just kind of sitting on a little hillock, they leapt into action. And I was, you know, running, what would it, I was 100 yards away from the tour group. And they both got up and went into that super scary, skulking hunt yeah. uh, body language. And they went after and and the the guide saw me and started waving her hands like don't run don't run and it was too late like the wolves had targeted me and it was freaky freaky to see them even though separated by a fence to be the the object of that kind of affection you know, because, yeah, you go to these things, you go to the zoo, you see the wolves, you're like, look at the nice doggy, like big doggy. Yeah, they're, they're having a good time in there. But they had a look, they had a very decisive look. And just that little bit of running turned them on. And I'm sure it wasn't like a safety thing for you so much as it is, please don't angry up the wolves. That's what it was. They were just like, you know, once the, once that gets in there, you know, they see something run and then they're just incorrigible. It's like the whatever the drug is that makes the bad guys in Utopia or Zootopia turn into um the mean kind of carnivore yeah you right. flipped the switch the guide was like now i gotta throw five rabbits in there <laughs> and i don't know how they i don't know what they do to i don't know how it all works at wolf haven i recommend going 
because those are all wolves that would otherwise have been destroyed. They're wolves that, you know, were injured or orphaned or in other ways, you know, it's a haven for wolves. It's not like a zoo. Oh, I get the name now. Yeah. How many Tacoma metal bands do you think are called Wolfhaven? Oh, so many. All if there if there aren't if there isn't a Wolfhaven, why have we not seen Wolfhaven yet? Every year they have a battle of the bands called Wolfhaven. The battle of the bands to determine who gets to be called Wolfhaven. <laughs> They're for the, all called for the Wolfhaven, next year. but yeah, the rest have to change their name. Uh so in most of the 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 world, most of the north and northern world, uh eliminating wolves was a longstanding practice, an ideal Way you know there was a from ranchers and farmers and from everybody and a lot of it uh, nobody liked them nobody wanted wolves around because you can hear them at night and they're scary sounding and that's not the main thing they, well it, but it does factor you can buy it. earplugs you know for it's, that it's like the earplugs won't help you when they're eating you you don't want bears around either but you can't hear them all night I true they're not top of mind you. they're not yeah. top of mind it's not just that they're it's not just they're uh, ear interrupting your sleep they're reminding you I'm the predator yeah. Whereas bears, they're also the predator, but they're they're a little more chill about it. Well, in mountain lions, they don't even want you to see them, but right. but wolves, you know, you can hear them right outside. And coyotes, you don't like that sound either, really. No. Um, and but also, I could take a coyote. You think you could take and a coyote? And not just at TV trivia. What about 12 coyotes? I'm out of luck. <laughs> well, again, what are we playing? TV trivia? I still got them. I don't, think, I don't think 12 coyotes would be interested in trying to take you down. I think they would have to be really hungry. They'd, they'd move on. All the bands that lose at the Wolfhaven Battle of the Bands have to change their name to 12 Coyotes. <laughs> uh, but because Europeans arrived in America, uh, in the United States, in North America, uh, latest of all. Oh, really? We got ours from Siberia. No, not the wolves. I'm saying oh, the, the European people, people. The people who were anti-wolf. We don't, uh, you know, it's harder to remember a time when... There were thousands of wolves in Germany or India, right? Um, but uh, easier to remember a time when wolves were very present in America, particularly when Europeans were were going across the frontier and settling all these new territories where there were wolves and bison and all the other things that wolves eat. I assume uh, the, in indigenous, the indigenous people here didn't love and live in harmony with the wolves either. They were just vast tracts of America that... Could be for wolves. They danced with wolves. They danced with them all the time. No, it was only it was only cavalry soldiers that got transplanted that learned to dance with. The it's wolves. true. It's not a plot point in the movie that the wolves dig the Sioux, the Lakota Sioux. They just want to sniff around Costner, but who doesn't? The issue uh, for Europeans is that they want they they have domesticated animals, and, and Native fences. Americans didn't, and right. so wolves took a certain amount of elk and. And, uh, and there was less plenty, deer. plenty of room left. For, yeah, for less them. so bison, but they they weren't uh, they weren't interrupting anybody's food chain. They were part of the, you know, our, our people used all of the wolf. Wolf. Whereas if you come in and are trying to ranch sheep and goats and cows and horses and pigs and whatnot, the wolf suddenly becomes uh, a competitor. Somebody that's. Plus, you've given them a big food source, and that just means more wolves because they've got all those fat cows to eat. Well, the funny thing is that wolves actually prefer their their natural prey. They will interesting. Given the choice, uh, wolves will will chase down an elk. Is that just evolutionary? Like this looks more like the thing that we've been eating for millions of years. So, or do they like the chase? Maybe a cow's not going to run that fast. 
Yeah, it might just be, yeah, they like the smell of the elk. I mean, it's not that wolves won't eat a sheep or cow, Mm -hmm. but the um, claims of their predation on livestock are grossly exaggerated and have always been grossly exaggerated. Who was actually doing it then? Aliens, right? Uh, that's right. Aliens were mutilating the the cows. No, and it ranchers was blamed wolves. it was the guy next door who was like, "I'm going to go get the sheep from over the fence." Yes. No, actually, there. I mean, there was. If you were on the frontier and you had a cow and five sheep, uh, and a wolf came, and you have to get them all across a river, <laughs> a wolf came in the night. Uh, you know, they could wipe you out. That will really put a crimp in your. And so there was, there was a sense, uh, the, you know, the sort of that first and second wave of settlers that really were encountering wolves as a, you know, as a real threat to their tiny little farmstead. So a big rancher might care less. They can put up barbed wire and they can, they can eat the occasional loss, which it's the little early settlers that were like, these have to be no wolf zones. They developed the kind of. Uh, the American myth of the wolf as enemy of man and the farmer and the cowman should be friends and they all hate the wolf. And this was during a, this was during a period where we were, uh, uh by we, I mean, uh, European Americans, uh, on the frontier and guys, I, guys, tall guys with beards look yeah. more or less like you. Yeah, you could say you, we, you, you and I can both. Claim some of the responsibility. Put on some suspenders. Uh, we were also killing all of the, bison and elk and deer ourselves, right? That's probably the real problem for the wolves. We were were eliminating their food sources, and so we were forcing that encounter, right? We were were taking, uh, we were expanding into their territory, and and so that the encounters and conflict between ranchers and wolves were were, uh, sort of automatic. Um, There was nothing nothing the wolves could do. Anyway, so in the 19th century, um, there, uh, it, it, it was increasingly a, a kind of a popular idea that part of finally conquering- Civilizing the continent. Civilizing the continent, that we needed to eliminate, uh, entirely eliminate, um, these threatening species- from our continent. Were populations already down just because of the food sources diminishing? And- yeah, it was part of the, I mean, hunters and farmers, I mean, if they saw a wolf, they would shoot it. Just as in the Red Ghost episode, we- uh, If you see a camel. Yeah. We, oh, boy. We realized that if you see it, shoot it was kind of part of the American- They didn't ethic. have video games yet. If you saw something move, you'd be like, hey, this will keep us busy for a couple minutes. But you know the the brown bear is on the the California flag, and there are no bear in Cal or no brown bears in California. Um, there were there were yeah. absolutely. Uh, that's why it's on the flag. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all coming together for me now. <laughs> well, it's not just that it was like a like a snipe that they put like, hey, you know, it would look good on our flag. But they were hunted a by gator. settlers. They're hunted to extinction by settlers. Yeah. Um, and wolves were uh, hunted almost completely to extinction in the United States. And in, in fact, in the early part of the century, in 19, uh, during the Roosevelt administration, 
Um, there was a government bureau that had, had started as kind of, as its name suggests, it was called the Bureau of Biological Survey. And it was... That does sound already a little ominous. But, you know, it was initially a biological survey, like how many bugs are on every tomato plant? Mm -hmm. uh, but ranchers realized like, hey, this is, a, this is an organization that we can um, turn to our wolf killing purposes. And the government not only uh, was invested in eliminating wolves, but contracted wolf killers to oh, like bounty hunters yeah and paid bounties for every dead wolf pelt uh from 1905 to 1920 um i mean this is a time when there's already kind of a john muir inspired conservation movement but nobody's pushing back and saying like in a weird scottish accent the there must be part of these hills where wolves can live well, That's my John Muir. There was not uh, yet the sense of a total ecosystem, right? Right, where uh, it was recognized that like there might be other effects. Yeah, like the wolf does kill the majestic elk, but how many elk do you want at your Yellowstone Visitor Center if there's no wolves here? Well, and the and the elk do tremendous damage to the ecosystem when they're left unchecked. Right? There's not. There wasn't yet that that idea. Maybe even something the ranchers wouldn't like if elks are. Eating up all the grass that their herds need. Certainly Yellowstone didn't like it. And we'll get to that in a sec. But, um, but yeah, the, uh, I mean, uh, like Audubon, the Joseph Audubon, John James, James John Audubon. James, Jingleheimer Audubon, <laughs> John James Audubon published, a like an account of watching a farmer bait and trap wolves. And, uh, and then like torture them. Yeah. Um, was Audubon into it or was this like, he's horrified. Uh, by Audubon it? was totally into it. He was like, <laughs> he was like, you know, because bait, like wolf baiting and wolf torturing was considered a kind of fun sport. Not just sport, but community service. You yeah. feel good about yourself because you're, right. you're ridding the West of these dangerous predators. He wrote this account where he was like, the wolves were so timid and scared, you know, once they were in a pit. And we were throwing sharpened sticks at them. I hope Audubon's in hell right now in a pit. I know, I know. I, mean, well, I, think, I think this at least once a day. Um, it's, it's hard to estimate how many wolves were in North America before European settlers. Uh, the estimates range from half a million to over two million wolves. Wow. Um, that's a lot of wolves. I know it's kind of stripping, cutting to the chase, but can you put it into perspective? Like how bad does it get? Well, it, it, I, don't, I don't mean to skip the story. No, no, no. It gets down in the, uh, by the 1960s, 50s and 60s, the only wolves left in the continental United States were up in northern Minnesota and I think the Upper Peninsula and numbering in the like 50 to 100 wolves. Really? Like no, nothing west of, well, hardly west of the Mississippi, depending on what part of Minnesota. Or south of, uh, south of Minnesota, right? And, and those are stretching down. There's more in Canada. There's, you know, there's areas in Canada, I'm sure. Where so Canada and Alaska have always had very healthy wolf populations, never, uh, never really endangered in either of those places. And that played into the kind of counter argument against the conservation movement saying like, ah, we got all the wolves we need up there in They're, Canada. We store them up there. We don't need them in the Rocky mountains. We keep the Christmas decorations up there. Yeah, right. Exactly. They were, you know, they were, 
th- this is prime skiing territory. <laughs> um, it's but, like America's top shelf. <laughs> yeah. The stuff we don't need very often, we'll just put, we'll up, put there. up there. Put it up there, like the, the Crusades, the <laughs> stew pot, and all of our wolves. Uh, but in the, in the teens, you know, 1910 to 20. I understand the word teens, John. But, you know, a lot of our international listeners might be like, teens? Listen, we didn't don't, think it was this kind of show. I like the sound of that. Uh, there were still there were still wolves in uh, in the Rockies in the you know the Dakotas Montana and they were really in conflict with ranchers which had become uh, that was you know a main industry there in the in the high plains and was this largely a PR issue again or were they really taking out a bunch of sheep did they have it coming this time well again the Farmers and ranchers tell a, a, a fairly hysterical story mm. about the damage that the wolves are doing, um, and they are happy to attribute to wolves all kinds of predation happening from other animals. I um, would do that if I died of something dumb. I'd be like, it was wolves. I didn't. I didn't, I, I didn't die from um, you know psoriasis in 2004 there was a survey of uh, all of the uh, sheep that were killed by predators in the united states and it was not an insignificant number 224,000 sheep were killed by predators but of those sheep over 60 percent of them were killed by coyotes yeah they check in every morning with their time card they say hi to ralph the sheepdog Mm -hmm. they're very wily and they go to work um the next largest predator of sheep after coyotes domesticated dogs that doesn't surprise me but i guess it makes sense wait that doesn't surprise me but i guess it makes sense it does surprise you and it makes sense or it doesn't surprise you and And but it doesn't make sense which is it you can't be both it's schrodinger's dog i can't decide are these just like um, dogs? Like every farm has a dog, and occasionally the dog will go kill a sheep. Go kill a sheep, or the dogs—you know, two dogs meet coming through the rye. And they're like, "What do you want to do? Let's go kill a sheep." Or some clerk says to the sheep, "Hey, don't run!" But the sheep forgets, and the sheep just starts running. And the dog's like, "What?" Uh. After that, cougars kill six percent of the sheep. Middle-aged women. Cougars kill 60% of America's bottles of wine every year. (laughs) And then bobcats, which are not cougars, separate kind of kitty cat. Smaller, right? Mm -hmm. More bobbed. Uh, After that, it may surprise you to learn that uh, bears, maybe that's, maybe you would think bears killed more sheep, but it really, it's only. No, I don't imagine bears going to town on sheep. And then eagles. Is that when bears can't get honey? Yeah. Normally they're just sitting happily licking honey out of yeah. a honeycomb. They're they're having a good time. They're in their fat little tree. A sheep walks by, they don't care. Nope. They've Wait, got wh- all the honey they need. Eagles ahead of wolves still. Eagles, then foxes. Fox foxes and- are not big. We're talking about little little baby sheep. I mean fox here. in the hen house, but yeah, I guess if there's a if there's a new lamb. And then wolves, ravens, and vultures are lumped together. <laughs> near a near tie with ravens. <laughs> and and I, I read this incredible account of how ravens kill sheep. Do they gang up? They fly down and peck out their eyes. <gasps> it's awful. 
They land on them and peck out their eyes. Eagles do this too. Well, think about vultures. Do they kill a sheep? Do they attack a sheep and they're like, oh, my bad. I thought it was dead. Like, this is so gross. <laughs> it's like when you bite into something and it's too rare. You're like, oh, no. Oh, this isn't rotten enough. This didn't die yet. It's a thing probably where, yeah, a, a raven pecked out its eyes and the vulture was like, hmm. I'm in. And the sheep's like, I'm not dead yet. So it's not, it's not just yet. that they're tied. They're, it's so low that the government groups them together and it's like, we can't even... We can't even get granular enough here. Suffice to say that wolves are not the major threat to uh, to the sheep population. Well, I lost track, but they're barely, they're not in the top five. No, they're not. They're not. They're well well behind dogs, and nobody in Montana is suggesting that we put a bounty kill on all the dogs. dogs. It's really hard to win statewide office with, um, I'll kill all the dogs as, as your uh, campaign slogan. And believe me, I've tried. Well, so I'm, I know it's it's actually it's one of the reasons I got kicked off Twitter was I was like, <laughs> is that why you lost your city council race? I was like, spay and neuter your dogs. First thing I'll do, Seattle, your fur babies are not babies. <laughs> um, in 1907, in South Dakota, and we're talking about the Black Hills, uh, Black Mining Hills of Dakota, there was a young boy named Rocky Raccoon, but there was also a wolf. Who, according to legend, uh, his uh, his mate and pups were killed by a wolf hunting anti wolf rancher type. Oh, shit. he's got an origin story. He's Batman. Yeah. Now it's it's very hard to say. Very hard to say that this this wolf is Batman. Uh, Not because to me. how do we know who Batman is really? But um, but yeah, it is suspected that this wolf, as a result of this trauma, never rejoined the pack and became the... Is there a name for uh, somebody who leaves the pack and just kind of does his own thing? What would you call such an organism? An alone wolf. A solitary canine. A, that's right. A wolf who walks by his wild lone and all things look alike to him. Yes, he was the titular lone wolf... He never rejoined a pack, never took another mate. So this is a thing that happens like you, or is this kind of local myth? Do you have a sense here? No, this is, this is, it's very true of this particular wolf. Uh, he, 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 uh, he operated solo. Every time a young wolf was like, let me learn. He was like, no, I, I work alone. I work by my own rules and there aren't any. And he did have an enormous range that he covered in uh, South Dakota and uh, Wyoming and, uh, you know, that kind of Black Hills corner of the world. Like he, he ranged over 300 miles and he became a notorious predator of beasts. Because he's mad. He's mad. He's declared war on, he's like, ranchers are a superstitious, cowardly lot. Yes, and he kills, uh, or rather, the deaths of uh, hundreds and hundreds of livestocks, sheep and cattle, uh, are attributed to this wolf, who took the name Custer. The wolf did not take the name Custer. The wolf was christened Custer, Custer the wolf. Uh, he he was called that because he was. Uh, he was targeting ranchers in the town of Custer, South Dakota. Yeah, because that's not a good name for someone who's successfully killing his enemies. And Custer, uh, Custer, South Dakota is just south of the, uh, 
It's just south of the Crazy Horse Memorial. So if you get a sense, have you been to the Crazy Horse? I haven't. Uh, it's statue? big. It's very big. And it's, you know, it's a pretty rugged country there. And um, is it near Little Bighorn? Is it like Custer Country? It's a weird place to name something after Custer. It's a little ways. It's, he had a bad it's, day. It's in a different state, but it's, um, you know, it's in that range. It, you know, the town of Custer was probably named after him before he got killed. <laughs> yeah, He was Cust- coming through. Custer will help. <laughs> this guy knows what to do. Here he is. It was named after him when he was still a lieutenant. Um, but Custer the wolf was killing a lot more critters, a lot more uh, livestock than he could possibly need or eat. And it turns out he's a spree killer now. Well, he is. And it turns out that surplus killing is actually very common in the animal world. Huh? Um, why? Well, it's not really, there's a, a, a Dutch biologist named Hans Kruk who kind of coined the term and he has studied it and it, it happens up and down, um, the, the, you know, not just the up food, and down the food chain, not just <laughs> like the rabbits food killing way more carrots <laughs> than they can eat. It's not that, but predators across all species, hmm. uh, will exhibit this surplus killing. You see it uh, in orca who will just decide they just, they're going on a spree and they're just going to kill, uh, every little seal, seal that they can get their hands on or their, their fins on. Is it isolated organisms? Is it like. Most of them won't do this, but a few will, or if conditions are right, everybody just starts killing too much stuff. Well, it, it probably doesn't surprise you that it often is, um, middle-aged men. It's the true murderers. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, at one point, uh, in Australia, a single fox killed 74 penguins, <laughs> uh, well in excess of the number of penguins that any one fox would need. Which is? Which is what's the number, John? Presumably one penguin a day, every few days. I could not eat a penguin a day. Uh, in Too South fatty. Africa, a leopard killed fifty-one sheep, hmm. and and you know, and ate like three bites of it. You see this with with uh, with grizzly bears. I see, in, I see it with my kids. Honestly, see it with your kids, right? One bite out of it, and then come they back leave from it. the buffet. But you know, when you when those fat bears are sitting in the river. Uh, yeah. not to body shame them, but they're very fat. These salmon bears. are jumping right into their mouths and they grab those salmon. They take one bite out of the middle and they throw the rest of the fish away. And then they get the next salmon and just take that one, I guess, delicious bite of its garbage entrails. That's not the good part <laughs> yeah, of the they're salmon. They're not even picking the fillet. They don't even know what they're talking about. Uh, uh, there were 19, there was a, an example of 19 hyenas that as a group killed 82 gazelle and injured another 30, and again, just like, you know, nibbled just some. Left all the bodies? Yeah, just took some bit off the haunches. I guess in pack, you know, if you're if you're in a pack and one person just gets on a weird behavioral thing, then maybe everybody's triggered and they're like, all right, I guess we're all killing penguins tonight. Well, there's a certain, you, you uh, a, a lot of animals do cash animals to come back and eat later. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not typical of you know, you can bury a certain number of penguins, but you know, they're not squirrels. It's not like they bury penguins all over and forget where they are. You'd be surprised how many Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups I have in my desk right now, but, there but those is. are, but those are shelf stable. Yeah, sure. Like I, I don't have, I don't have 70 penguins in my desk. Wait, do you mean they're spread all around? Like you dumped them out of their container and 
I actually did have a friend whose mom did that when I was a kid. And of course, now I realize that's disordered eating and she probably needed some help. But at the time we were like, this is so fun. It's Easter every day in your house. Right. Just look around. Well, you know, most most moms that do that are hiding white white wine in the in the humidifier and in the laundry chute. It's different with the Mormon moms of my childhood. Right, right. Chocolate. You know, I used to do that with cigarettes. I would get a pack. When I had money, I would get a pack of cigarettes and walk around and put cigarettes above the door. You're a little squirrel. Yeah, in every smoky smoky the squirrel. Because then when you have no cigarettes and you're sitting there like, oh man, no cigarettes. You go, oh. I put cigarettes above the doors because, you know, you forget about them. If you're, if you're all a, in the same place, you would, you, would, you would smoke through those quicker. Right. Well, yeah, if you have a pack of cigarettes, you're going to smoke it. But if they're, if you buy two packs of cigarettes and put one pack, hide the cigarettes Plus, all think around. of the exercise and the little treat you're giving you your future reach. self. It's like a big stretch. That's the thing. I was doing a favor for future, John. So it is not uncommon for predators to, uh, to over-predate. Um, in 2016, nine, a group of, a pack of nine wolves killed 19 elk. And if you can picture an elk, yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, one elk can go a long way. They can feed nine wolves. Feeding nine wolves. 19 elk is a little much. Um, Custer wolf killed, uh, what in today's dollars would be like $300,000 worth of sheeps and cows and horses. Uh, and wa- and became a um, the the source of a lot of frustration for these ranchers, and they called in the federal government. J. Edgar Hoover, ten well, most wanted wolves. This is sort of you know this is ju- Roosevelt was part of the original Roosevelt was part of the uh, part of the initial kind of like let's get rid of the wolves. I say let's get rid of the wolves. I mean he loved shooting things. He did, and he loved sending people out. So. Um, for a $50 bounty, you could uh, go kill a wolf, and that was quite a bit of money at the time. Uh, there was a federal program a federal program that sent 300 hunters to the region to eradicate the wolves. Um, I bet they were a grisly lot. They were pretty rough and tumble, yeah. And as part of their, as far, part of this program, they killed over 100,000 coyotes. Uh, 15,000 bobcats and lynx, and 3,000 wolves. These guys are not very good shots if they were just sent to kill wolves and they end up killing a bunch of bobcats and lingies. Well, they're, they're, they're hunting them all. Uh, as we, you know, I think farmers then knew that coyotes were also killing a certain percentage of their sheep. Um, and they also used strychnine to poison these critters. So, um... I don't know why that seems less sporting to me than, you know, it's not like the, it's not like Custer can invent a rifle and put lead into us. It's the same, but still. Well, as as we'll see in a minute, it gets less sporting than that. At least then these hunters had to actually have boots on and go hike out and search for a wolf. Not an easy task. But Custer Wolf resisted all attempts to capture him. Uh, he killed during this period 500 different uh, moo cows and various other uh, creatures, hooved creatures, and no one could uh, get close to him. And it's a, it's he developed a, 
a mythos around him mm-hmm. where he got bigger and bigger in people's imaginations. It's like the red ghost, the camel. Uh, like exactly it's. like that. Uh, pretty soon he stood five foot tall at the shoulder and weighed, you know, 800 pounds and was a cross between a wolf and a, and a mountain lion uh, back at a time when I guess farmers in South Dakota didn't know that you couldn't do. I mean, there's that. not, there wasn't good sex ed in South Dakota schools as recently as the nineties. They so. might've been reading the Greeks and <laughs> yeah. got the idea that. Pliny said <laughs> that uh, wolves and lions sometimes. <laughs> you know, if a God can become a tree and then a white cow or turn his girlfriend into a white cow. All worse. bets are off. So in 1920, uh, the federal government had had enough, and they brought in their top wolf killer. Oh, this is the part of the movie where the, the Raising Arizona guy appears. H.P. Williams, who had killed, reputedly killed, over a thousand wolves in his day. Good, good, good. I guess it's good if you do what you love, but come on. The ultimate wolf killer. And he went out in the spring of that year, 1920, and started trying to find Custer Wolf. And Custer Wolf, you know, would every once in a while appear majestically on the top of a mountain ridge, lift his head high, and and then, you know, H.P. Williams would run out there and there'd be no no wolf to be found. Custer Wolf kept killing. Um, Can I I just say that as a name go, as names go, H.P. Williams sounds more like a... A lawyer on the side of a bus than it does like a cool bounty hunter. Well, that's the thing. He's probably one of these 1920s fedora wearing science hunters where he's Uh, like, I'm going to use psychology. He's not a frontiersman. Uh, During this period, they were killing every wolf they could find in the Black Hills, uh, but could not get close to Custer Wolf. Yeah. H.P. Williams tried kind of everything he could. He set traps. Custer Wolf... Uh, figured out his traps. This is an interesting thing about wolves. If you hunt them and try to kill them, they figure it out and avoid you. Mm. Uh, and so wolves get more difficult to kill the more wolves you kill. But H.P. Williams discovered an interesting thing, which was that Custer Wolf, although he had never, he did never, he never rejoined a pack. He had two coyotes that followed him at a respectful distance. And just ate the remains? Ate the remains of his kill, but also worked in a symbiotic relationship with him where they protected his flanks and would signal him. Wow. And acted as as uh, like watchers. Dances with coyote. As Custer Wolf went about the, the larger business of wolfing, these coyotes uh, were, you know, like little remora that, were his familiars. And so H.P. Williams, in determining this, did what any uh, conservationist would do and immediately killed the coyote, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who were easier to, easier to catch and kill than Custer Wolf. Um, and then Custer Wolf was, you know, sadly on his own. You keep saying Custer Wolf. The show's called Custer the Wolf. This is like a smoky bear thing. Yeah, Smokey Bear. Smokey Bear. Well, that, that is his real name. Smokey Bear. Yeah, the p- Park Service, pe- Forest Service people get furious when you add the the. Smokey the Bear? Yeah. It's not, it's Smokey Bear. Oh. Hey, hey, go back to the woods. I didn't know that. No, I get I get letters on Jeopardy. We accept Smokey the Bear because, you know. Sure. He's a bear and his name is Smokey. It's not, what's wrong about it? 
But you get and then letters. angry for angry eighty one year old ex park rangers who are like, I spent two years living alone in a watchtower. <laughs> <laughs> Best two years of my life. Custer Wolf. Uh, so eventually, H P Williams uh, set enough traps that one of them wounded Custer. Uh, that was in the autumn, but he still escaped capture until he bit off his own head and got out of the trap well later in october he got actually caught in a trap um and he continued with the trap until he he broke the trap off oh he he just walked off with the trap still on him yeah and and then went and lodged the trap in a in between two trees and pulled it off but this uh, wolf rules but it it injured him badly enough that he still managed to walk three miles but now was easy to track by his blood trail. And H.P. Williams finally killed him, uh, only to discover that he was just a normal wolf. He only weighed 98 pounds. Um, he was six feet long. Just a regular old wolf, not even, uh, not even what you would call like a big normal wolf. Does this mean maybe also the, some of the deeds attributed to him were just as exaggerated as his uh, mythical characteristics? Well... <clears throat> Uh, and now the rest of the story. So wolves shortly thereafter were, uh, as I said, pretty much eliminated from the United States and remained, uh, a uh, almost completely eradicated species until the 1960s when the environmental movement started going. A book in 1966 called The Custer Wolf not Custer the Wolf, but The Custer Wolf, was written by Roger Karras, and it told the story of Custer through a wolf's eyes. Ooh. Very 1960s hot take on... Uh, this is like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but for wolves. For wolves. But as the, you know, as the environmental movement started to expand across all genres... And the recognition that ecosystems functioned as a, you know, as a uh, ecosystem, an, an integrated, uh, and in uh, integrated whole where each component was inextricable from the from the functioning. Um, Every wolf's death diminishes me. That's right. I celebrate their entire catalog. Uh, in 1973, the Endangered Species Act was passed by that notorious environmentalist, Richard Nixon. Shout out to Nixon. Uh, that created the Fish and Wildlife Services uh, and the Marine Fisheries, you know, the two sort of government organizations that, that you know, enforce the Endangered Species Act. Mm-hmm. And wolves were included in, as an endangered species, and uh, hunting of wolves was, you know, now like hunting of all endangered species was made illegal, and gradually wolves started to return to the northern states, uh, the north midwestern states, uh, creeping down across the border, just coming down into into Michigan and. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and then in the 80s and 90s, it became a kind of popular idea that wolves needed to be reintroduced into 
portions of the the Mountain West. Oh, I remember this. Lots of lots of talk radio controversy. It was a big controversy. It was um, it was the beginning of. I mean, wolves had always been political within. Yeah, they volunteer there. Yeah, well, wolves have traditionally voted a straight Democratic ticket. Really get out, good get out the vote on election day. <laughs> no, I mean the issue in all these small towns were were I mean there were there were very few people in 1920 that would come out and speak for the wolf. I'm a pro wolf candidate. Yeah, where were the Lorax for wolves? <laughs> um, but it was it was it, it always lent itself to a kind of uh, rancher hysteria. But now the idea of reintroducing top predators to these regions was a major uh, it was a, a cause celeb and a, and a uh, and a very politicized mid-90s issue. Uh, wolves were reintroduced into Yellowstone National Park in 1995 by Bill Clinton personally by Bill Clinton he brought them in and uh, they put these wolves over here Hill. <laughs> They brought in 40 wolves, something like that. And boy, you would have thought that he had allowed, he had opened the borders and that he'd filled Yellowstone with Cuban exiles. Well, the kind of people most likely to get riled up about this. uh, Montana ranchers. Wealthy Montana ranchers. Probably, this is already post Ruby Ridge, right? No, 95? Wasn't mm. Ruby Ridge right about? Yeah, right. So Ruby Ridge was 92. That and Waco's 93. So like the Clinton administration is like in the crosshairs yeah. of these fellas. And this became an issue of government overreach uh, that all, that inflamed the kind of Eamon Bundy crowd that already was um, using, gra- you know, grazing their... their uh, Livestock on government land and not paying for free the fees, and loving it, and hating the BLM and so forth. And this was just an example of of uh, coastal liberals playing around with ecosystems they didn't understand. And uh, this is our livelihood here. With here, they were bringing wolves in. Well, the Yellowstone wolves are an incredible success story. There are about five hundred wolves there now. They've from, all started little corner groceries and nail salons. That's right. That's right. They're the classic immigrant success story. Except they've been or, they've been there all along. Um, what the what? And this is an example of uh, of a hostility to science, because the science shows that wolves restored a a, 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 a tremendous balance to the Yellowstone ecosystem. By keeping they, the elk down. Well, they kept the elk down. The elk had been eating. All of the willow trees, the elk had been trampling all of the I hate the elk. Grass. The elk are destroying the West. The beavers couldn't. Is that racist? Sorry. The elk are destroying the West. No, the elk belong in the West too. There were just too many damn elk. Um, and so what ended up happening was as the population of the elk was managed by the wolves who took, you know, a, a small percentage of them, uh, the reintroduced species then restored the plant life around the streams mm-hmm. and actually changed the way the streams flow through the park, thereby increasing the the floral diversity, increasing the faunal diversity. 
so that uh, probably erosion's prevented. Erosion's prevented. So the 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 whole park is a healthier place as a result of having the wolves there. And of course, the wolves are incredibly popular for tourists. It's a major draw of Yellowstone. I've been at Grand Teton National Park, just south of Yellowstone, and every evening you go out at any of the wildlife viewpoints, and there will be a bunch of guys with really nice cameras with really nice telescopic lenses, hoping to get hoping to get a, a sight of the wolves. And, you know, they'll, they'll all be on walkie-talkies or on their phones with somebody who will be like, I uh, hear they were just sighted around the next bend of the river an hour ago. Um, just observing and admiring the wolves is a huge deal for a bunch of guys my age at that park. Yeah, and if you, if you see wild wolves together as a pack, even just hanging out, let alone hunting, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. Um, don't run. Don't Run, run, don't run, don't walk. Stand silently <laughs> by your telephoto lens That's right. and admire nature's grandeur. But as you can imagine, like everything in the United States that became political, it became more and more political, especially in the Mountain West where people don't like to be told what to do. And the wolves are... We're, we're in Seattle where everyone <laughs> loves to be told what to do. <laughs> well, you know, you and I both grew up I in I came the, from a sub-state and now I'm know, in a... Or I came from a dom-state and now I'm in a sub-state and I prefer it. We, were, we grew up in the rugged mountain town of Shoreline, Washington. And so we're very familiar with, with the wolf encroachment. But the wolves uh, are very popular in Yellowstone. But right outside of Yellowstone, there are, as you said, wealthy ranchers who aren't excited about the wolves. And the wolves know no borders. Yeah. Uh, but wolves were introduced into other places besides Yellowstone, uh, specifically North Idaho and Northern Idaho. I don't know if you've ever been there. You've definitely been there. Driven through famous for its cooperation with the federal government, famous for its free thinking diversity, not at all famous for Hayden Lake or the skinhead movement. No famous for that. Also it's got, it's got the most beautiful scenery in the world. It's so beautiful. And some of the worst politics. There are some really bad people. Um, Coeur d'Alene, Beautiful, but the whole, all of, all of it up there. It's just, I highly recommend that you visit it and, uh, and please try not to be a minority when you do. No, no, no. I think <laughs> that more, that everyone should go and just scare, outnumber them. Yeah. Just outnumber them. That's the only way that, that any change really happens is just more people. Although I do sympathize with Montana and Idaho people that are like, uh, Everybody here is from California now. Yeah. Because I don't want... Everybody's fleeing rent. Yeah, I don't want Californians up there either. Just go to visit and then go back home. Although that's what they told us in Molokai. And I mean, they they were not wrong. (laughs) They still... I I read the other day, house prices in Spokane are now higher than Tokyo. Isn't that insane? You used to be able to get... You used to be able to buy all of Spokane for 50 American dollars. And now... And the funny thing is my list of where I want to live is now down to Spokane and Tokyo. (laughs) Who's in the lead? I don't know. We're a Spokio family right now. We can't decide. Uh, The ranchers and North Idahoan um, conservatives, political conservatives, took great umbrage at wolves being reintroduced into their state. Uh, It felt like the worst kind of government meddling. Um, And the science doesn't really back up their claims. In 2020, wolves were uh, credited with killing 102 cattle and sheep 
out of a population of almost 3 million cattle and sheep in Idaho. So not really putting the whole industry like of odds ranching at if risk. I'm a cattle. Yeah. Yeah. If you are one of 3 million cows uh, and 100 are going to be killed in a space of a year, I mean, even as a human being, more than, more than that number of people just die in bicycling accidents. Is it the kind of thing where the government will compensate you if one of their wolves eat oh, yeah. your beloved bossy so everybody what? mocks up their uh, dead cows to look like a wolf attack? <laughs> one of the great things about this is that, uh, of course, all of the people in these uh, ranching states are getting compensated yeah. to, they're getting bounties to kill wolves, but they're also being compensated if their creatures are killed by wolves. But they're you also, can't lose. They're also compensated for anti-wolf Fencing, they they get money uh, coming and going, <laughs> like all these hard scrabble yeah. independent folks of the West. That's right. They like, get more subsidies than <laughs> any city dweller ever has. Um, it's uh, it's estimated now that there are over twelve hundred wolves in Idaho, uh, and it's they getting were, close to the number of people. <laughs> lol. But the Endangered Species Act was. Um, started to be rolled back. The populations of wolves had recovered and there was a lot of lobbying done to say that the Endangered Species Act no longer was necessary here in North Idaho. And, um, and in 2020, just a couple of years ago, Whoever was president then. Whoever was president in 2020, in October of 2020, <laughs> so only president for another month, uh, Mr. President at the time removed gray wolves from the endangered species. Do the numbers yeah. merit it? I would assume a few thousand is not enough to get most species off the Endangered Species Act. Well, now there are probably 2,600 wolves in Minnesota. There are 1,600 wolves in Wisconsin and Upper Peninsula, 1,700 in Yellowstone. Um, and then the the laws in Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, and New Mexico, there are, there are state protections. There are wolves in all those places, and there are uh, there and and also Mexican gray wolves were reintroduced into that area of northern Mexico, and mm-hmm. they are coming over into Arizona. But because the federal law no longer protects wolves, states like northern Idaho or states like I mean, Idaho is a whole state. Northern <laughs> Idaho wants to be its own state. It's a state of mind. Uh, and Montana and Wyoming have passed their own. Um, let's kill some wolves. Let's laws. kill the wolves. Uh, laws now. Killing wolves remains as hard to do now as it was in the Custer Wolf days. Uh, in 2020, fifty thousand hunters and trappers managed to kill 380 wolves. These are just weekend guys thinking it's good sport, right? And, you know, and and with full camo gear yeah. and four-wheelers Tactical. and night vision goggles and everything uh, out there, and only 72 hunters managed to kill more than one wolf. Mm. as part. And, the, and these wolves are, uh, you know, they're being given a bounty. So killing wolves was not just like, Hey, go, you know, go out on the weekend. It's not like killing a deer. It's like, no, no, no. We're trying to eradicate the wolves. Now, the problem, of course, in in 
Idaho is if they get below 150 wolves, then it triggers the Endangered Species Act again. <laughs> and so they're shooting for a target of um they're shooting for a target above 150 wolves, even though the governor, I think, came out and said he wants to kill 90% of the wolves in Idaho. I mean, the Biden administration put back a lot of the ways that the Endangered Species Act had been gutted for four years, but apparently not in the case of the gray wolf. Not in the case of the wolf. And this is this remains a very politically contentious uh, situation right now that the Secretary of the Interior has the ability, has the authority to put the gray wolf back under the protection of the federal government, but hasn't done it so far. Come on, man. Um, in Idaho now, you are... Pr- so in Alaska... Wait, I just said, come on, man. Isn't it a woman? It is a woman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is a woman. Sorry, Deb. Um, in Alaska, you know, hunting wolves is incredibly regulated, and there are thousands and thousands of wolves in Alaska. But you can't hunt them. There was a time in the 80s when people were hunting wolves from helicopters, and it created such an outcry up there uh that i mean and i think it's just that it wasn't sporting um and people in alaska want you to at least have to work a little bit yeah that seems like the right that that totally changes the ethics of the situation i think you're not in a helicopter they 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 think that there are ten thousand wolves in alaska so uh but but you but there are lots of restrictions on how you can hunt them i'm Mm -hmm. not sure I'm not sure if you can hunt them from a helicopter. I don't think you can, but, and there were, there were laws that said, if you, if you were in an airplane, a small plane and you saw wolves and landed, you couldn't then land and go run and hunt them. You had to, there had to be a certain amount of time that passed. Oh, wow. Before you could like go, you couldn't just. It's like an offsides or an icing call. Yeah. It seems like it'd be very hard to adjudicate. But in Idaho right now, you can use night vision glasses. You can use bait. You can use dogs. You can hunt them from vehicles. Um, it's the Wild you, West. Any time a wolf is on private property, it's fair game. Uh, they're really, really committed to the idea of. Well, it sounds like eradication. Or, or at least getting to 151. Right. That's the plan. Um, and in uh, in Idaho right now, if you drive around any of that territory, you will see big signs in people's yards with terrible pictures of evil-looking wolves. Oh, the wolf, you know, it's the wolf is coming. But the funny thing is, isn't that traditionally a part of the country where you should see tons of vans with really cool wolves on them? Or is that more of a is that more of a West Coast thing? Yeah, well the the t-shirts where there are five different wolves howling at the yeah, moon. Different like a series. That feels that feels more like you buy it in a place that's also selling turquoise jewelry. Pretty soon, there's going to be more wolves on vans in the Southwest than there are wolves in the in the actual wild. And that concludes Custer the Wolf, entry three hundred eight dot JN one zero one two, certificate number five two three six three in the omnibus. Uh, the omnibus existed during the waning days of social media. We were at. Ken Jennings and at John Roderick and at Omnibus Project on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as long as they lasted. Then we all switched back to. Actually, I'm not going to be on social media. I think I'm just going to do. Uh, really? I'm just going to do New York Times Spelling Bee all day. Really? Yeah. And Symantle. Yeah. Symantle, you can play all day. Redactyl, you can play for a while. Do I don't need still, social media. Do you still play Wordle? Still do the Wordle? I feel like I've moved off of Wordle. I've evolved beyond 
wordle. Wow. I'm kind of Ooh. A, I'm kind of, I don't Big really cheese. Like I'm not really a corporeal life anymore. Like my consciousness is kind of out there in the stars doing mm-hmm. redactyl and semantal. Yeah. You no you no longer need a physical form. It's true. If you look at a map of Alaska uh, uh and that says like the range of wolves in Alaska. Yeah, how big? It is the <laughs> The entire state of Alaska, <laughs> with the exception of like a few Aleutian Islands uh, and the Walmart like, parking lot in Wasilla. It looks like Kodiak Island doesn't have wolves. Is that true? But let's, let's reintroduce some wolves to Kodiak. But it's yeah. I mean, that's I a, the, that's the kind of thing you just do as a weekend uh, as a weekend getaway. How do you get some wolves in a zodiac and get out there? Get some wolves in a zodiac. <laughs> there are two wolves in your zodiac. Uh, in addition to, to Kodiak. In ad- oh yeah, look at that. In addition to social media, uh, you could email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Uh, that helps power the addenda shows that we've been releasing recently to our recently for years mm-hmm. to our uh, loyal Patreon supporters. Good stuff, good content. If you're an omnibus completist and you're slightly uh, 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 disconsolate, slightly disconsolate about the fact that uh, it's becoming a weekly show next year. There's, there's a treasure trove of uh, dozens of past addenda shows you haven't listened to just waiting for your support at patreon.com slash omnibus project. You can email us at PO box five, five, seven, four, four shoreline, Washington nine, eight, one, five, five. You can find fellow uh, future links to complain about the show with, on Facebook and Reddit, and uh, there's probably a Discord somewhere. Go on your office Slack. Uh, complain about the boss if it's Elon. If not, just talk about Omnibus. Why not? It's a fun way to. It's a fun way to put off getting stuff done, like like many podcasts. Uh, and uh, and remember, let me know what your spelling bee scores are because I'm Queen Bee like two three times a week. Whoa! What is Queen Bee? That means you got every single word. Does it it's like tell a, you, it's like a hidden super secret level that's not announced in the app. Does it tell you how many other queen bees there were in the country, or are you just like I'm a queen bee? But I don't it turns out know. There are eighty thousand of them. If there get to be, if there gets to be under one hundred and fifty, I, I have to stop murdering them. Yeah. So I, I just don't want to know. I, I play a game that every once in a while is like you're, you know, you scored number twenty four out of however many, and the other, you know, the people in the top twenty four all have names like. Sergey Abramanov, and then you know three people with Chinese names, and then you know somebody in South America. And I'm like, am I really in the global top thirty? But then I realize, like, what a way to find out you're really getting into League of Legends. This in, is a uh, loser game in and 2022. Good job. There are losers everywhere. Futurelings from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived. We hope and. Fear that the catastrophe we pray, yeah, the pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may have been our final. Well, record. you're off book in year five. Look at this. But if providence allows, we wish you many good goods and cheese, and hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the office.